1: I also want to let you know that it's a perfect time, if you have not already done so, to download the children's activity sheets. They're available for both our younger and our older children. And uh, you can find those in the link in the text below. Hopefully that'll be a blessing to you. Uh, We are planning a blessing of the animals in the summer, and you can be a part of the fun and help us get ready by naming the pets that we have acquired for our Jesus. He's one of the uh, visual aids that I use in children's time and worship and in our preschool chapels, and so you'll be seeing more videos about that. Over the isolation and quarantine, our Jesus has acquired three new pets, one for every person of the Trinity, acquired a dog, a cat and a miniature horse, a little pony. And we hope that you will have some fun and join us in naming them. And we will be unveiling those names. And we look forward to having the opportunity to bless and give thanks to God for our pets that have been helping us to endure and actually thrive in the midst of this. So we encourage you to continue to pay attention and engage in this as we have more videos coming out explaining it. And the other exciting thing that is coming down the pike for us is that Pentecost is the birthday of the church. After Jesus rose from the dead on Easter, 40 days after that, he ascended into heaven and he promised the apostles that he would not leave them orphaned, that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, would come for them. And 10 days after that ascension, that's when the Holy Spirit came to us on what we call Pentecost. And we consider that to be the birthday of the church, not the United Methodist Church or Crozet United Methodist Church, but all of the Christian church when the Holy Spirit came to us and empowered us to continue the earthly ministry in Jesus' name. And so this year, Pentecost falls on May 31st, and we would love to have you help us celebrate Traditionally in this church we all wear red and you are of course always welcome to wear red on Pentecost and we hope you will but It's an opportunity for us to kind of take it to the next level. You can decorate your door or your porch or you could hang red signs in your windows to let everyone know that we are still very much alive and thriving and that the Holy Spirit is helping us to get through this time. So we would love to see what you're going to do. So if you are going to decorate, take a picture and send it to us so that we can include it in our Pentecost celebration. We look forward to seeing the creative ways that you show the world and tell the story that the Holy Spirit is with us and for us. So all of those things we commend to you, and without further delay, we're going to continue our worship service, and we're going to do so by singing together hymn number 526, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. As we take this time to speak to our children, I want to talk a moment about what day it is. So for our children's time today, I want to kind of talk about Mother's Day. Now, Mother's Day is not a liturgical holiday, which means it's not a holiday of the church. It's a holiday of our nation. It's a holiday of our culture. Um, There are plenty of people that don't come to church or celebrate Jesus Christ that celebrate Mother's Day. And because it always falls on a Sunday, it's helpful for us to think about this. Now, maybe you woke up this morning and your family paid homage to your mother. Um, My mother will be coming over to my house this afternoon, and I have procured a lunch for her, so we'll be honoring her there. Um, However, I want us to remember that in the Bible, God doesn't say there's a Mother's Day. God actually tells us to honor our parents every day, right? We're supposed to honor our father and our mother. And for some of us, that's really hard. Some of us are really blessed because we have parents that are with us, and they think about us, and they care for us. And some of us have parents that aren't with us all the time. Like my son's parents, we are not always together. And so everybody has a different context And one of the most important things for us to remember is that God is always with us. God is our divine parent. And whether you think of God as your father or your mother or just your parent in general, God wanted us to know what it is to be loved. And so God has put people in our lives to love us. And so even if you are not celebrating a traditional Mother's Day, We have been given all kinds of special mothers. There are mothers who give us birth and give us life. There are mothers that get to raise us. There are mothers who choose to adopt us and raise us and love us. And then in the church, there is something very, very special. There are honorary mothers I only have one child, and that's all the children I'm going to give birth to. Uh, But there are other children because of the church that I get to have a special relationship with. And that's one of the most beautiful things about the church is that right now, I hope that not just your parents, but other adults in the church are showing you God's love and getting to be honorary parents to you. And I hope that as you grow up, you will choose to do the same The older I get, the more I think about how I hope that I can help love and share God's glory with other children, not just my son. And so today, I hope that you will think about every person in the church as your family, not just your mother or your father, but also your sisters and your brothers, that we are all together in this and that God chooses to use humans to share God's love. So even though we don't have a Mother's Day as part of our celebration, we love people every day of the year. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are or if you can sit still through church or not, God loves you, and so do we. And we hope that you will share that message, not only with the people that you live with, but with your friends and your family and everyone that you come to meet. And we can't wait to have you back here so that we can all share that love together and we look forward to receiving you back. So the next thing we're going to do is we are actually going to hear a piece of the hymn that we just sang, and we're going to hear a medley. John Hilker has a has a wonderful medley that he's going to share with us. This is his musical offering for the day. He's going to do a medley between Sweet Hour of Prayer and What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And both of these are rather traditional hymns. You might have grown up hearing them, or maybe you've heard them. They are part of Christendom, especially here in the United States. And I want you to pay careful attention to the words. I think they're very comforting and appropriate in this time, and I hope that it is a blessing for you.
0: Seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief, and often escaped the. T-
1: our scripture, I'm going to invite us to take a moment and be in prayer. And this isn't just a prayer for preparing our hearts and minds to receive the ministry of the word, but I think it would be appropriate for us to pray for a multitude of things. And so I'm going to ask you to bear with me as this might be a slightly longer prayer than you're used to at this time. Let us pray. Almighty God, we marvel at your grace and we come to you now in this time of prayer to ask you to continue to be at work to remind us through tangible signs that we are not forsaken or abandoned, but that you have continued to pour out your goodness and your grace, oftentimes through human vessels. May we recognize your work in others, and may we be grateful from the depths of our being for what you say and do for us, and that you allow us to do the same for others. Lord, we pray to you now and ask that your healing touch would be at work upon so many who are suffering and struggling with illness and disease, who are approaching their own hour of death. May you continue to show them that they are loved, forgiven, and yours. May you lead us through these times of fear and darkness into a future that is bright and beautiful because that is your promise and our hope. We pray for all those who are struggling to be part of this, those who are at work in the medical field and using their gifts and their talents in order to help others find healing in your name. Lord, we also remember that today is a difficult day for so many, that while many are able to celebrate and enjoy this day and honor their mother, there are those who are struggling because they did not have the mother that you had hoped they would have. There are those who are rejoicing today because they were blessed to have those that cared for them enough to give them up and those that cared for them enough to claim them for their own. We give thanks, Lord, that in the body of Christ, there is a place for all women to be mothers, that you invite people to love and to share, to nurture and to give of themselves selflessly, just as Christ has modeled for us. We rejoice for birth mothers and adoptive mothers, honorary mothers. And Lord, we pray for those that do not have a healthy relationship with theirs, May you, as their divine parent, enable them to find healing and wholeness. May you show them a family that will love them through all things. And Lord, above all, may we look forward to the day of resurrection, coming into the glory of your kingdom, where all are beloved and known, all sins are forgiven, and all people come to experience the fullness of you, our divine parent. May it be so, and may this time spent with you in the hearing of your word, Continue to edify and encourage us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I invite you to hear these words this morning from the book of Proverbs, chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. My child, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, so that you may hold on to prudence, and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a loose woman drip honey. And her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not keep straight to the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, my child, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. Or you will give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. And strangers will take their fill of your wealth. And your labors will go to the house of an alien. And at the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you will say, oh, how I hated discipline. And my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. Now I am at the point of utter ruin in the public assembly. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. So we are midway through a worship series and a sermon series on this book by C.S. Lewis, an incredible Christian. Who was able to do something that many of us yearn to do which is to take his passion and his talent his natural gifts for writing and his joy in writing children's stories and combine them with his faith and in doing that c.s lewis was able to create a story that is an allegory of the doctrine and the theology of christianity and offer another way for people to experience the gospel of jesus christ And as we've been kind of traveling through some of the imagery and the storyline here in this book, One of the things that we have yet to tackle that we should is the White Witch, who is the antagonist. She is considered by herself and her followers to be the Queen of Narnia, this incredible place where four children have traveled through the wardrobe in order to experience another place. And they are kind of struggling with what they are experiencing in Narnia. And the first is that there seems to be a ruler who isn't helping her subjects, but is instead hindering and even hurting them. And unfortunately, this is not something that is only in this book. C.S. Lewis has done a wonderful job of presenting another facet of what we just heard from the book of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, there are two women that are allegory, allegorical elements of both wisdom, there's lady wisdom, and the loose woman, the woman of the night, the strange woman, this other woman, and they are set in opposition to each other. And you might be saying, well, why are all of these characters female? Well, first of all, the, the women in the book of Proverbs are female because in the beginning, the Bible was written by men for men. That's one of the reasons why the sign of the covenant at Mount Sinai is circumcision, and that's not something that we do as women. However, what we can find out is that if we look past the gender, if we focus on the role and what they are doing, we discover that the lady wisdom is all about helping people find God staying true to what God asks of us as believers and followers and helping us to grow in divine wisdom so that we too can be a blessing to other people just as God strives to be a blessing to us. Now her antithesis, the loose woman or the strange woman, she is not interested in helping people find God. She is not interested in God at all. She is all about earthly pleasure. She is about the here and now. She doesn't care if in the long run it causes pain and suffering, and hence we get to the point that C.S. Lewis was making with the creation of the White Witch, and that is that human sin is so powerful and so profound that it actually seems to create an entity in and of itself. Every person sins. We do things that are wrong that break God's heart and break God's law. And then we discover that if we continue to sin, they actually build up not just a wall, but they seem to create this being that has its own life. That human sin, when all gathered together, creates sin with a capital S, which means that we have this thing in our midst here in this world that not only creates havoc and heartache, but it actually perpetuates hurt and suffering. And we have been charged as disciples of Jesus Christ, not only with recognizing how we contribute to this sin, but helping to cease it, in our beings, in our lives, and in the lives of others. And we do that because we have gained the wisdom. First, God gives us the grace to recognize that we sin, that we are imperfect and we make mistakes. And then God gives us the ability to repent, to forsake a life of sin and embrace a life through grace. And as we continue that, because we never cease sinning altogether, But as we embrace a life that is more about doing what God wants and less about doing what we will, then what we come to discover is we have the opportunity to speak that truth to others. That we can show them that God's grace and truth is for them as much as it is for us. And the hope is by doing this that we will enable people to choose righteousness over sinfulness. Now, in the story, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis does a wonderful job of portraying the white witch as this kind of embodiment of sin, just like the loose woman of Proverbs. And you'll notice in the story that she also does a good job of presenting herself as just what her victims need. She comes as a queen, as this elegant ruler, and so she should be respected and honored. And then she comes bearing gifts when she first encounters Edmund. She offers him whatever he would like. She lets him name what it is that he's willing to sell himself for. And it starts with him being a child asking for Turkish delight, a delectable treat. And he eats the whole box and she gives him a drink. And then she starts to lure him with promises of more. If you come with me and if you follow me, I have whole rooms filled with Turkish delight. And you can have them. And not only can you have them, but I will make you as powerful and privileged as I am. You can be a prince in my household. After all, I am a queen. And sin lures us in this exact same way. Because the first time we sin, we recognize that it feels pretty good. And then if we don't get caught... Or maybe if the consequences aren't so bad, we're willing to consider doing it again. And the more that we sin, the further we're willing to push the limits of our sin. And we find this, this is a testimony that many often give, that first it was easy to just do a little bit, and then it became more common, and then we went further until we are consumed with this. And that's precisely what the White Witch and the Loose Woman personify, is that when you start to engage with them, at first, it's very intoxicating. At first, it's, it's fulfilling, and it gives us this rush of pleasure. But before long, we realize that our relationship with them has created a break in our right relationship with others. Now, on this day, one of the things that I find truly intriguing about the story is that while Peter, Edmund, Susan, and Lucy have earthly parents, they're not here. They're not in the story the children have found themselves, much like many of us have, without their parents with them every moment of the day. Now, some of us, as we age, we've lost our parents. Some of us have different relationships with our parents, and some of us have parents that are all over the world. And so this is especially poignant for us, that in the, in the absence of parents, the children are not forsaken or forgotten. There are so many that reach out to care and nurture for these children, At first, it's the professor and his household before they enter into the land of Narnia. And then once they get into Narnia, if we start paying attention to how many characters reach out and try to help these children along, feeding them, giving them shelter, providing them with warmth, and continuing to guide them and lead them ultimately to Aslan, who, as we discovered last week, is our Christ, our messianic figure in the story. Life is just like this. We have the opportunity to pursue our will and hang out with the embodiment of human sin, the loose woman, if you will, the strange woman, or we can choose to graft ourselves to Lady Wisdom. We can choose to partner with those that not only speak God's truth, but live it and show it and let us experience that for ourselves, encouraging us to be the same way, to be vessels of goodness and grace. And in the church, This is especially what we strive to do. We are not limited to one parent in the church or two parents. We are not limited to one sibling or just what's in our family. In the church, we have an unlimited family. In the church, we should always feel loved and cared for. It is a place where we recognize that all of us are sinners and have made mistakes. And yet, it is the grace of Jesus Christ that binds us. And it allows us to move beyond things that are limiting in this world, like genealogical connection and earthly lineage. It lets us move beyond legal status, who is legally your family. Because in Jesus Christ, all of us have been bonded together. All of us have been knitted together through the fabric of faith. And so family gets a new name here. That's one of the reasons why in the church we don't have a liturgical holiday for Mother's Day. As I pointed out in children's time, Every day, we are to honor our parents. We are to honor their memories. We are to honor even the one good thing that we have from them. For many people struggle with their earthly parents. It's not an easy journey. Just like many of us struggle with relationships of all kinds. But one of the best things about God and the church is that here, we are forgiven for our mistakes. We recognize that while we are in this life, relationships may not be ideal. But we are also told that in the kingdom to come, they will be. That which was broken will be restored. And that which was torn asunder will be knitted back together. And so we cling to that truth. We are reminded of that. That there is no mistake here on earth that cannot be undone. That cannot be rectified. That cannot be reconciled in the kingdom. And our journey toward that kingdom means that we will encounter many people. Many vessels of God or vessels of the ungodly. Human sin, the desire for power and privilege, the yearning to have our will enacted. And every day is about choosing with whom we shall journey, whom we shall follow, and what we desire to be for others. So the encouraging word that we hear today is that even though there is a powerful lure in sin, even though it can be so present intangible that it seems to be personified in figures like the white witch or the loose woman of proverbs that just as powerful is the embodiment of grace we experience it in jesus christ we feel it in the movement of the holy spirit when we come into holy consecrated worship space we can feel the presence of god the father but it's not just in those instances Day by day and hour by hour, we are empowered to be vessels of that same living God for other people. We choose to show them God, or we choose to show them us. And in the most blessed moments is when we allow God to be shown through us. When we speak words of kindness and compassion. When we act out of mercy and love when we desire to show people that they are not their mistakes, but they are the bright and beautiful future that is modeled by grace and love. This is the opportunity for us to see that even if we have grafted ourselves to the loose woman of Proverbs, or we have followed and been loyal subjects to the white witch in our lives, that today we are set free. One of the most beautiful things about the scriptures and the allegorical story of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is that it is never too late to turn. It is never too close to the end that we can't find goodness and grace. Edmund found it. Countless believers in the Bible find forgiveness and grace. And we are no different. Today could be the day that each of us chooses to turn from our sin and from our waywardness, This could be the day where we choose to truly let not just our past go, but the past of others. Today could be the day where we choose to see them as they are and who they are becoming rather than hold their past against them. For God does not hold our past against us. Every time we look at the symbol of the cross, we are invited to remember that your past is behind you and that Christ is no longer on the cross but very much present with us and for us. That is the message that C.S. Lewis was trying to tell people. One of the gifts of children's literature is that it's safe. It feels approachable. It feels like we could have some joy and kind of unplug from the worries of adulting and striving to figure out how we're going to survive in this world. And one of the things that I have repeatedly discovered in the story, as I've reread it over and over again each week, is that We sometimes forget that the message that we've been bombarded with in the scriptures, the message that has been hammered down through the tradition of the churches, you know, that yes, God is with us and Jesus died for us and God loves us and we should forgive people. But sometimes when you hear something in a new way, it speaks very profoundly. We get so used to hearing and seeing and experiencing things one way that it helps to have someone else reframe it for us. Speak it with a different word. Or help us to experience the same eternal truth in a new vessel. And that's the glory of this gift. This is one of the gifts that Christians have brought to the world of music. So many of the hymns we sing have the same message. But why is this hymn her favorite? And that one is his. Because those vessels heard it so much more profound in those different songs. And the glory of the kingdom is that with eternity, we have time to sing all of those songs, even the ones that we haven't written yet. And I firmly believe that while we are so blessed here to sing the songs that others have written with their time and talent and gifts and graces, I believe that when we get into the kingdom to come, that all of us will become composers of doxologies and hymns, songs of praise for the eternal worship of our Lord. Now, the last thing that I I think is really interesting here is that um, one of the ways that C.S. Lewis describes in the book uh, The White Witch is found in the chapter about what happened after dinner. That's what I don't understand, Mr. Beaver, said Peter. I mean, isn't the witch herself human? She'd like us to believe it, said Mr. Beaver, and it's on that that she bases her claim to be queen, but she's no daughter of Eve. She comes of your father, Adam's, and here Mr. Beaver bowed, your father, Adam's first wife, her they called Lilith, and she was one of the djinn. That's what she comes from on one side, and on the other, she comes from the giants. No, no, there isn't a drop of real human blood in the witch. And as I read that again and perhaps really paying attention for the first time many of us might have gotten caught up there and said what in the world is he talking about so actually a christian here c.s lewis is paying heed to both judaism and islam so lilith is one of the midrash stories of judaism In the early rabbinic tradition, the rabbis tried to reconcile scripture. And in the earliest understanding of Orthodox Judaism, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, were considered to be infallible. They were perfect, word for word. And the problem with that is that there's two creation stories, and they don't quite match up. So the rabbis were trying to make things fit. And one of the things that they discovered was apparently human beings were created in pairs in the first story, and then it was created Adam and his wife Eve in the second. So they thought maybe Adam had a first wife. Maybe that's who he was created with at first. And then when they read that Adam said in the book of Genesis, oh, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh when he saw Eve, that maybe the first one wasn't of human flesh, but instead of spirit. And so they created and perpetuated the story of Lilith, Adam's first wife. Yep, apparently Adam was married twice and got divorced from Lilith and then married Eve, which gives us a whole new perspective on divorce in the Bible. But one of the things about this story is that people yearn to make sense. People are trying to figure out what it is that God wants of us, what it is that we experience here on earth, and somehow reconcile the two. That's what we are striving to do, and that's one of the things that C.S. Lewis was trying to do. He was a devout Christian, and he was striving to take his faith and what he experienced and bring them together in a story that would speak profoundly, not just to children, but to children of God, children of all ages. And he's done that in a profound and powerful way. And I believe he's challenging us to do the same. He's combined this element of Judaism with the with the reference to the jinn. The jinn are intelligent spirits just below the level of angels in is Islamic faith and in the Muslim theology. And so he's kind of combined both of those. And some of us are going, well, why would a Christian do that? And it's because this Christian, C.S. Lewis, had a deep appreciation for the Abrahamic faiths. All three of the largest world religions well, Judaism's not one of the largest, but one of the older Abrahamic faiths, trace themselves back to Abraham. And there we find that we have siblings in our faith. And while we are very different and in practice and in belief, the one thing, the one thing that unites us is God, that we do believe that we serve the same God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob and Ishmael and Muhammad, but most importantly for us, the God of Jesus Christ. And so as we are struggling to make sense of our world right now, as we continue to look for ways to use what God has given us to be a blessing to others, I hope that we are inspired by what we have heard and read, not just in the scriptures, but in the works of other Christians like C.S. Lewis and in the composers and the writers of songs and hymns and the doxologies, those that have created the means by which we can articulate our faith experience the goodness and the glory of God that encourage us to give our faith form. Perhaps we have been called to do the same. I am sure that there is something that you do very well. And while we might sit around and try to create a hierarchy of gifts, the Bible encourages us not to. I have known people that have started ministries out of feeding. I have known people that have started ministries out of knitting prayer shawls. I know people that have started ministries out of reading stories to children. May each of us look deep within ourselves this day and through prayer and prayerful discernment discover what it is that God would have us do now. What is it that I do so well, O Lord? And how can I use that to bring honor and glory to you? If we choose to do this, then we are surely following lady wisdom. We are following the personification of following God's will and in God's way showing this world that it is one that should be filled with grace, forgiveness, and above all, love. That is what will continue to carry us through the darkest of days, the hardest of times, and the unknown wilderness that we find ourselves not necessarily wandering because many of us are sequestered and sheltering in place. But in the days ahead, may we continue to be inspired by a Holy Spirit that spoke through the original people that inspired the stories of the scripture, those that were so inspired by those stories that they wrote it down and continued to make copies of it. Those who were inspired by what they read there, that they wrote new stories. Those that were inspired by what they read, and they wrote songs. And those who through their love and their service in the church have written on our hearts that we are forgiven, loved, and free. May this day and the days ahead be filled with the revelation of what God would have each of us do next to continue to tell the story of Jesus Christ and his incredible love. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. This would be the time in our worship service when we would be encouraging people to prepare to worship the Lord with their tithes and their offerings. And we are, of course, encouraging you to do the same. You can find the link if you would like to offer your gift to God in honor and glory of all that God has done and what God is doing. This is a perfect time for us to consider what God would have us do next. As we have been saying here, one of the things that we can do at any moment and at any time is to pray and give and share. We encourage you, especially when you are feeling upset or angry, when you are feeling dark and depressed, when you are feeling joyful, when you have moments that you want to celebrate, to go to the Lord in prayer. And of course, to share those prayers. You can submit your prayer requests on our website for our prayer team. We have had some incredible prayers submitted and we never have enough, so you can continue to add to those. You can also sign up to be a vessel that receives and echoes those prayers as part of our prayer chain. So all of those are available to you. We also want to encourage you to give because ministry in general, but specifically now, is funded through your gifts It helps us to look ahead and prepare as we continue to make plans. And just because things don't look and sound and feel the same does not mean that we have dialed it back or that we have ceased our ministry. They have changed, and many of them are more digital now than they ever have been before. But it is because of your support that we are able to offer ministry like this, our digital worship on Sundays. And so we thank you for that. And the last thing we want to remind you is that this is the perfect time to share To share messages and to share things that inspire and give you hope. That you can present a light to those who feel like they're dwelling in darkness. That you can tell people, you know, you might not be my mother, you might not be my father or my brother or my sister, but because of God, you are mine. And I love you and I care for you. And I just want to check in on you. It has been a time this week where we have the opportunity to look and see that as things are slowly beginning to change, that now more than ever, we need to continue to uphold people for times of change can inspire fear and faith. And by reaching out and connecting and sharing with one another, we are able to lean much more to faith than fear. So we commend all those things to you. I'd like to offer us a prayer of thanksgiving for the gifts that we have received. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you have given us incredible gifts. You have bestowed upon us not only your grace, but your Holy Spirit. And you allow it to bring forth in us things that are blessings for others and that bring honor and glory to you. You have also enabled us to earn a living, to amass wealth that we can use to bless others. So, Lord, for the ways in which we are able to give of ourselves and our money, we rejoice. And we trust both of those, our time and our talent, our gifts and our graces, into your most capable hands. Guide us and guard us. Allow us to use what we have to be a blessing to others, to honor you, and to build your kingdom here. May it be so, almighty God, for without you and your holy purpose, all that we have is but sand upon the shore to be washed away at the waves of time. But because of your gift of grace in Jesus Christ, we stand upon the rock, the firm foundation that shall never be moved or shaken. And this, almighty God, we seek most of all. Now in this time of change and uncertainty, may we be grounded and founded in you. And may others graft onto you through the work of our hands, our hearts, our words, and most assuredly, our faith in action. Thanks be to you, almighty God. Amen. Now we're going to invite you to sing with us our closing hymn, number 389, Freely, Freely. See you. Thank you so much for joining us and celebrating the love of Jesus Christ in our worship service. We hope that you will receive this benediction. May the God who speaks the truth that we have been loved, forgiven, and sent forth continue to shine forth in you and for you. May you encounter God's goodness and grace in the blessings of earthly vessels, human beings, beloved children of God and may you take your rightful place among them to speak God's truth and love, but above all, to forgive and set people free that they may live out the grace of the cross and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Go forth in peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one now and forever. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed day.